Hey everybody, welcome to the Royals FC show. This is episode 24. I'm Ryan Kelly, and today I've just got my one co-host. I'm Cindy Lara. That's that's it. Vircho decided he was too cool mm. to play podcasting today. Mm. So he gets to miss out on, unfortunately, us talking about the not-so-winning ways mm. of the Royals lately. But uh, we will go over the last two matches that have been played since we last recorded. And then we will uh, do a preview of the upcoming match against North Carolina. Uh, with that, of course, we'll talk about the expectations for the national team rosters, which we've heard will be coming out Wednesday mm. and ahead of the uh, national team players being taken out of the league before this weekend's matches, which still sucks. Mm -hmm. And uh, but we'll we'll still be. Uh, talking about who will be here and what the plan will be against the Courage. And um, and then we're just going to kind of wing it with a bunch of other stuff we want to talk about. We did get a couple of uh, fan comments and responses about things over the last week. Uh, we could talk about the World Cup. Um, might throw in a little RSL women information. We'll just kind of see where it goes, mm -hmm. and hopefully we cover everything so that Vircho doesn't have to come back mm -hmm. and say, this is why I can't leave mm -hmm. you guys alone. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. with that all out of the way, that's kind of our plan for the next hour or so. Let's get into it. Um, well, so there were the two games last week. Uh, first was the trip to Seattle on Wednesday which ended in the one nothing loss on the Rapino header. Mm -hmm. um, and then they came home to face Orlando Pride. That game started out well with the great Amy Rodriguez goal and then the mm. craziness of the penalty and then the wide-open second goal, and they dropped that one 2-1. to one. So, I don't know, Cindy, what do you think about any of that? About... The Orlando game, and right? Or either one. Oh, oh man, it's just, um, you know, I think like Laura said at her press conference that um, the penalty kick, penalty whatever was given out, kind of did change the dynamic of of the game. Um, PKs are always so controversial. And there is no VAR like there was at the World Cup, um, which I happen to really enjoy this past World Cup. I thought it was a really good thing, and hopefully more leagues do that. Um, but <coughs> giving up the first goal, I mean, that is, I think, a little bit beyond. Obviously, you can't. You're not refing the game. You don't make those calls. Um, but... And thinking about the second goal, that was definitely an Abby Smith mistake. And she came off her line way too much. Um, and I'm an, and I like Smith. I think she's great. But um, even Laura Harvey said that um, Smith has got to let her, her defenders do their thing and not have to play, you know, up so much outside of the goal box. So... For yeah. sure, yeah, and and that's kind of always a you know like I'm being a Bayern Munich fan. I'm used to a goalkeeper that is really comfortable coming outside of the penalty area and clearing uh, things away so that the defenders can help press the team back mm -hmm. into the attack. But with that, I always say you know any goalkeeper that's going to try that, you have to be either. 100%, like not even 99.9, .9, but 100% sure mm -hmm. that you are getting to that ball before the other team is, mm -hmm. or you need to stay back in the six-yard box and be ready to face a shot. Yeah. Um, because as we saw from that one um, with Orlando, you know, being 30 yards away, you, I mean, you, you're still hoping that maybe they, they you know, miss their shot, mm -hmm. but a wide open net like that, you know, even a defender's eyes are going to light up and, and take a swing at that one on yeah. you if you leave in that kind of room. So it is true that, you know, Abby and uh, at the game, some people around me were saying that that seemed like the maybe the 
third or fourth time yeah. this year that she's made kind of a, a decision where we're just saying, why, mm-hmm. why did you think that you needed to, to come out and yeah. do that? Or, yeah. you know, what's wrong is, and, and the thing is, it's like, we have great defenders. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's no reason to not trust them to get the job done for you. And, and, you know, if, if the, if they just get beat and you have to save a shot, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. But it, maybe there's some communication missing somewhere that, you know, they're not sure of who's going to cover things. And then, you know, I guess when you're the goalkeeper, you feel ultimately responsible as the last line of defense. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they definitely need to work that out. Yeah. So that things like that don't happen in the future. Um, you know, on, on the other side of that, though, um, you know, the my – observation of the of Megan Rapinoe's goal up in Seattle was I there wasn't a whole lot Abby could do mm-hmm. about that one but when you look at the replay um there was a defender up against the far post when the play started and then she drifted away from there as the ball came in and three other defenders were watching this empty mm-hmm. space where nobody was and they, they just, they didn't cover, like, that's kind of a critical thing that yeah. you have to cover the posts on a free kick, on a corner kick, you know, any ball into the box. Somebody has to be ready to clear it if the goalkeeper can't get there. So um, I guess they all kind of have a little bit of work to do on understanding who goes where and and to make sure that they have their defense organized properly. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Um, it's just it's 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 frustrating again because we we've seen the times where the team plays better than this mm-hmm. and we know what they're capable of, but they they just you know for whatever reason get kind of out of sorts and and can't put it together. Yeah. And it's been three in a row, three losses in a row now, which I think is the longest losing streak of the season. Um, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they'll get a they'll get another home game, um, which ironically, it's funny to think that you know everybody seems so in awe of the courage, but mm-hmm. we have one of the best records against them of anyone in the league. Uh, one win and one draw, and those were both in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you know, no matter who's playing. Um, you know, there's a chance to, to come out and get a really positive result at the end of this kind of down run mm-hmm. and then go into a bit of a break and then hopefully kind of make things really solid for the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely. I think now, I mean, you're, you're kind of you're entering the last, you know, the what's the next stage of uh you know, the last stretch, not not fully the last stretch, but it is getting pretty close to a point where, uh, I mean, the race is so tight right now. And, um, I mean, every, they just, they can't afford to lose any more games. Um, it, it's just, it's so close right now between, I think, six teams um, that a loss kind of, it's really a setback. So it's really one of those things where they they gotta definitely um what's the word i'm looking for they they gotta do something they can't yeah they they can't let themselves get beat like that um against especially when they have the lead uh, so yeah what's my two cents on that yeah, and I mean, it, it is interesting to note that there there are only seven games left for the Royals this season, mm-hmm. and only three of those are against teams that are ahead of them right now in the standings. They've they've got North Carolina, they've got one more against Seattle, mm-hmm. and the final game of the year is uh, here in Utah against Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, they play the Dash, they play the Spirit twice, mm-hmm. both home and away. And they've got another trip to Sky Blue. Mm-hmm. So um, it's and I kind of mentioned this in my in my article on RSL Soapbox that you they have to. I mean, obviously, you know, at least a draw, if not wins somehow against those three teams ahead of them. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to pull points away from any team you're chasing in the standings. But then those games against the 
teams below you in the table become even more important mm -hmm. to be sure you win. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the dash game is an away game. That's going to be tough in, in the heat down there. Mm -hmm. And um, so they, they really have to be focused. You know, these last seven games, if they want one of those playoff spots, and the reality is there's only three of those left, uh, North Carolina is for sure going to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, by how, because of how far ahead they are, and uh, the the Royals have dropped five points off of Portland in in sixth place. So um, points are starting to become a, a scarce thing, and mm -hmm. uh, they've got to they've got to put it together and decide. You know, are we going to make it, or are we just going to kind of see how we are and mm -hmm. and aim for next year? Which hopefully no team like. Even if I were sky blue right now, I'd still be playing every game like it could right. get us there, you know, right. just because you want that positive mentality, not just like, oh, well, this year's done for. Right. Um, you know, that's what you're the go. That's what you're out there to play for. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so, I, it, yeah, it's coming down to the final moments here. It's and it's such a short season, especially compared to, I think, kind of what else, you know, in, in, in Salt Lake, especially we're so used to the Major mm -hmm. League Soccer season that has mm -hmm. 10 more games in it. Um, so we'll just, we'll see what they, what they can come up with. Although, you know, um, injuries, injuries have played their part. Suspensions mm -hmm. have played their part. Um, you know, getting the right roster on the field is a challenge. I don't envy Laura Harvey for right now. Um, no, not at all. but we'll see what they come up with. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, uh, I think we've, I think past misery is, um, Wait, you know, we talk about Seattle? Uh, we've had enough of that. Um, do we need, do we need to talk about so, Seattle? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so looking ahead to what? I said, do we need to talk about Seattle? Did we talk about Seattle? The rain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't, well, I don't know what it, <laughs> we can, um, nah, I don't know don't how much there, well, um, yeah, uh -oh. that was, that was an interesting game too. Um, so Seattle, um, yeah, that was, you know, um, I, th I thought that things would be, I thought things would be better in that game coming off the Portland loss, you know, I just, they were. I, I thought they would turn that around and um, all things together. I mean, I don't think they played terribly. I think they might've played, mm -mm. you know, they played better than they did against Portland. Um, That's true. But just gave up that one goal and, uh, and couldn't really find, you know, somebody's um, speaking of uh, comments. Um, we heard a lot of, of uh, feedback from that game um, that Kristen Press has been coming off the forward line a lot in the last couple of games yeah. and kind of roaming through the midfield trying to get on the ball. Um, I I don't know I don't know why that's happening. Um, you know we've also seen in the last two games Laura Harvey choosing to start Low Labonta instead of yeah. Katrina Gorey in that attacking midfield spot and. Um, there's nothing wrong with Labonta as a player, but you're talking about different styles of players, different things they're looking for, um, and maybe there's a disconnect there between between Labonta and Press in in getting the offense yeah. going. Um, it, it it was I noticed against Orlando, like it it didn't seem like Press had a lot of opportunities to to, yeah. you know, to get the ball in an attacking position. She was having to try and create it, something from the midfield and she would get overwhelmed by defenders and then there wasn't a, a good chance to pass and create anything else. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just Harvey's, if she's telling them to do that or or what, mm. but it's it's not working real well right now. Yeah. And I wonder with Gory being a sub was really bizarre. Um, I, yeah, mm -hmm. when, with the Seattle game. And I thought, well, it's a midweek game. They just, they've been on the road. But then um, it just seems like a very odd choice to do that uh, because Gory is a great player. 
Um, and and I'm thinking back to the Portland game, and I'm thinking, is there is there something that she did wrong where Harvey decided to switch to Labonta instead? Nothing against Labonta, mm-hmm. but you're right. It does it does change the dynamic of what's going on. I think Gory and Press work really well together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm quite puzzled by that change. Yeah, and 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 like you said, we don't we don't know. I mean, is she is fatigue catching up to her? Is um is media or is um does she have a like a slight injury that she can play a small number of minutes with, but not a full match? Mm-hmm. Is she not doing something in practice that that Harvey's not happy? I mean, without going to a practice, I course I, I have plenty of time these days during mm. the daytime i maybe i should try and get down to a practice and see if i can see anything but um but you know um yeah it's it's a weird decision uh, at least from an outsider's perspective and um you know that'll be another interesting thing to see on on Friday, if if Gory's, you know, with so many players from the Royals roster likely missing, um, she may be starting again. Um, I, mm. I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it, it's really bizarre. Um, and, yeah, and Press dropping back to, is she playing, like, the number eight spot? Is that what she's doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with, Harvey's tactics and how well they're working. I think, I really think the Portland game rattled her, um, you know, from a tactical perspective. Um, and, and, and that may have affected, I don't think so much the Seattle game. And, and I don't, and even just the loss with Orlando, that was not, I don't think that was Harvey, but, I don't know. I think it. I think they're a little. Their confidence is definitely a little shaken with with these three games, and obviously not having Becky Sauerbrunn too. Uh, that's a major. That's a major change. Um, and Johnson getting so it's just. It just seems like, <laughs> you know, you get pressed, you get Johnson, you start kind of gelling. You everything's you know you're. You're seeing a whole different Royals team, and it's exciting. And then all of a sudden, it's like a huge U-turn, and you're just thinking, what is going on? And, yeah, a lot of it probably – a lot of it does probably have to do with the injuries and the um, suspensions. And not only that, but the schedule has just been rough, you know. They go from, like – I think they had, like, a Wednesday game and then a Saturday game and then a Wednesday game and then a Saturday I don't know. It just seems really wild, and I'm not entirely sure what's going on. For sure, it's it's um it's hard to know exactly what's going on, but um it's it's certainly frustrating to watch when you um you know as an RSL fan, I've been through a couple of years of that too, where it's like you know your players are better than what you're seeing week mm-hmm. to week, um, but you can't you know. Um, well, everybody in the everybody in the stands, of course, has an opinion on what what is wrong, what could be better. But um, my thought on that always is uh, that there are there are coaches and players and general managers who get paid a lot more than I do to make those decisions, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they are seeing the same problems. Right. Like they're not just oh everything's fine. Like they're aware that things are not right, and if they can't figure it out, I I don't know why I would be able to. <laughs> to have the answer, or it's I'm right. doing the wrong job, take uh, it, <laughs> and not making nearly enough money. So if I'm somehow right, um, I you know I'm I'm willing to coach any team that wants me. <laughs> yeah. So um, so the um, mm. so then looking forward to <laughs> the one and only visit of the courage. Uh, coming up on Friday. Uh, I have to go Friday, and then I have an RSL game on Saturday. It's a busy soccer weekend for me. Um, 
that is going to be an interesting match for a lot of reasons. Um, as, as I mentioned before, uh, the Royals mm-hmm. do have a pretty good record against them so far. Um, the the first visit to North Carolina was the mm-hmm. 2-2 draw that really actually should have been a Royals win. Uh, and then the second visit, yeah. the, the Brittany yeah. Ratcliffe uh, extra time stunner that got uh, got the, the courage their first. Is that still their only loss of the year? Or? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. So, um uh, if there's anything that the Royals can feel good about, despite being on a three-game losing streak, it's mm-hmm. that you are facing a team that you know that you can play well against <laughs> outside of the comforts of your own stadium. And now you get to bring them here, have them deal with our elevation, uh, whatever the yeah. temperature decides to be on Friday night. Who knows? Although I'm hoping <laughs> that an 8 o'clock start will be better than the 5 o'clock start last week. That was brutally hot during that Orlando game, and I don't ever want to sit out in that again. So um, the Courage come in with, you know, league-leading wow. 45 points and, and 14 wins, Jeez. and their goal difference. Oh, my gosh. I was just looking at that. They have the only positive wow. double-digit goal differential, and it's That's plus crazy. and it's plus 27. They have scored 41 goals. The next closest is Portland with 27. I, that That's unreal. They they really have got it together as far as scoring. Um, I'm pretty sure, I think in their last two games, they've put up four goals. Um, they're a tough team, for sure. But, as, as the Royals know, they're not unbeatable. So... Um, it's just going to be – it's just going to take some hard work. And uh, even with some players potentially missing, um, like we said, the national team roster is expected to be released on Wednesday. And we will know then uh, which of our players will be leaving. Uh, the usual suspects from the Royals are uh, Becky Sauerbrunn, uh, Amy Rodriguez, Kristen Press, and Abby Smith, although – Sauerbrunn has been missing time with an injury lately, and Abby Smith was hurt and subbed out of the Orlando match. So we may or may not see them get called in due to that. I will have to wait and that, see you know, yeah, exactly what their hmm, what their outlook just is such on poor those injuries. But I don't know what do you think camp. about that? I mean, the whole uh, U.S. Women's National Team about the match, the camp. And, you know, because the past two games were really exciting between the Courage and Utah. And then, I don't know, I feel like US, I feel like Joe Ellis has robbed us of a really good game. <laughs> and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> just put Radcliffe in again. I think she'll do great. She knows how to beat him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just make her the starter. Um, mm-hmm. they'll definitely be tough because even though North Carolina does not have the, you know, they'll sure. probably be without sure. Crystal Dunn and Abby Dalkemper, um, Sam Mewis, they still have a lot of players who are, are really good. Um, so much credit to Paul Riley in North Carolina is that he... He just really instills this confidence in his players. Something about his system, um, the way he coaches. I don't know what he does, but um, just tends to bring the best out in his players. And it's obviously showing very well because they are they already clinched a playoff spot this past weekend. Um, so the, they're the team to beat um, with or without their you know, really good players. But, yeah, I definitely think if the Royals lose this game, I think I think they can pretty much, mm-hmm. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I think they're, they're going to be in serious trouble. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting just to see how they do without um, Press and Rodriguez. Those are... T- you, you think For back sure. to the sky blue game when those players were gone and and it was sky blue and 
no discredit to Sky Blue, but I mean, that was a hard game to watch. Um, so I'm just a little concerned with with so many of the Royals players out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little nervous, to be honest. Yeah, um, it's going to be, you know, though there's a there's a definitely a, you know, whether whether we have players gone with the national team or, or with injury, whatever it is, there's definitely going to be chances for players like Ratcliffe, like Erica Timrak, uh, Katie Stengel. They're going to be called on to step in and and make a difference and uh, really go at this North Carolina team. Um who, who, as we said, is also going to be a little short-handed. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely not an easy. Uh, you know, anytime you're getting a league leader in a team that's playing so well, um, it, you know, even in the best of circumstances, mm, it's going to be a tough true. match. So, um, it'll just be a challenge. But you know, they've they've got a good week of practice ahead of them. <laughs> um, they don't have to be. They're not the team traveling, so uh, they get <laughs> to spend Friday. Just oh, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. waiting, or uh, sorry, Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> That's why their practice schedule looks so weird. I keep forgetting the game, even though I know it's Friday. I was looking at their, the email that went out about their practice schedule and thought, this looks so weird. Why are they have they have they have Thursday off, or I mean Tuesday off when it's usually Wednesday? And oh, that's right, they're short a day this week. So, um, but. Yeah, that's just going to be um, it's going to be an interesting match, though. Um, it'll be exciting for um, it will be since we like to mention the Utah connections. Uh, Darian Jenkins, who's a courage player, is a native of Murray, Utah. So she'll be uh, having her moment to come back and play professionally at home. Um, should be exciting. So that's where we stand with the upcoming week. Um, well, let's see then. Uh, we kind of got that all out of the way. Uh, what, what do we want to talk about next? Um, should, should we, should we talk about the World Cup a little bit? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised France won. Yeah. Yeah. But it was uh, a wild game. Like six goals in a final that's crazy. right right yeah. yeah i think i'm not sure that, that was really expected um and it was you know it was it was kind of unfortunate that that croatia went down a goal the way they did but then you know fought back um had their chances mm-hmm. certainly plenty of times and one thing i one thing i noticed during that game and i thought was really interesting and i know there's a lot that goes into the rest of the tournament you've got to be You've got to be cautious with your playing time and with how much energy you expend because you, you know, you're thinking of if we make it to the next round, I have to be ready. In a final, you know, right. that's it. There's nothing left after that. So you kind of, I guess, just throw everything to the wind. But I've never, I never saw either of those two teams. And I watched, I watched all of Croatia's knockout round games. I think I saw France play a couple of times. I never saw any of the players on those two teams run as hard for every ball, for every clearance. Just the effort was phenomenal from both teams because it was all on the line, and that's that's when you've got to give it. So that was really great to see. Uh, just two great teams. Um, I was I was pro Croatia, but. Uh, mm. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still um, some great images of uh, the celebrations they had, welcoming their guys home, though. That's definitely their best mm-hmm. finish in a World Cup ever. So yeah. um, they have a lot to be proud of, and they've got a lot of great players. Hopefully that will kind of be inspirational to the youth of Croatia to work hard and, and be a strong team in four years. Um, and then, I mean, the French, though, were... The French were really good, really young, really solid team of of bright players, and they'll be they'll be fun to watch, as well for a couple of years. Um, although a lot of people were pointing out that 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 was the same French team that the USA played to a draw, just before the World Cup. So, I, who knows what that really means? But we'd all like to think, of course, that that means that the USA is going to be phenomenal, and and actually challenge for a World Cup in four years. Um, we'll see. We'll see on that. Um, 
but um but overall though it was a it was a great tournament uh a lot of great games um a lot of exciting moments um goals from set pieces all over the place um I know we all kind of saw. At least I know I heard a lot of people say four years ago that that was such an amazing World Cup, and it was going to be hard to top that. But this was definitely very exciting. Um, but now it's over, and we have to we have to not see World Cup. Well, we have to not see men's World Cup yeah. for a while. But um, the you know the the World Cup. Yeah. yeah, the World Cup account tweeted something about you know oh do you miss us yet are you going through withdrawals and I said well no there's still Major League Soccer going on right now there's <laughs> still NWSL happening there's mm-hmm. we're a month away from getting all the European leagues back playing and we've yeah. got and we've got Women's World Cup next summer so um, I mean I definitely I'm gonna be the I I don't know what I'm saying, what I'm trying to be, but the, um, you know, it, I, I, I would love to see the, the level of excitement go up for the women's world cup and sure. have it be well promoted, um, well televised and have people get exciting, excited about it because you'll see a lot of the same level of play that we just spent a month mm-hmm. watching from all of these, all these women's players, um, and for every American that loves soccer, it, this is our time. I mean, we're not yeah. just we're not just going to be in it. We're a favorite to win every time we play. So um, we're the defending world champions. And unlike Germany, we probably won't go out in the group stage. Um, so <laughs> you don't jinx it now. Oh, I know. I shouldn't. Yeah, right. I shouldn't <laughs> have said that. But um, no, it just, it's it just seems so unlikely. It's. Um, the USA has been so good for so long. Um, yeah. I'm going to throw out there, uh, I'll be Vircho and make a hot take. Though. Oh, no. Now, <laughs> 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 no, just now that France are the men's World Cup champions and the tournament, the women's tournament is in France, I would be mm-hmm. very afraid of the French women's team. Oh, yeah. Just they are going to be feeling it. They are going to love the idea of not only winning on their home soil, but having mm-hmm. France be the absolute champions mm-hmm. of the world mm-hmm. for both genders in this one sport, yeah. Um, yeah. they're they're probably going to be a tough team to beat. Um, I'm still yeah. going to say the USA isn't going to beat them because mm. I'm American. But um, <laughs> it'll be that'll be interesting. That'll be an interesting storyline to it. Um, that would mm. that would be a very unique. I don't think that's ever happened that that men's and women's champions from the same country. In the say at the same time. Um, no, I don't think so. Because I think the I think the time that the times that Germany won it, the men had not been playing well. So that's true. Um, well, I'm gonna do my hot take, and okay. I'm gonna say that the U.S. is not going to win the World Cup. Um, because Joe Ellis has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and if they win, it will be purely on talent, um, not credit to Joe Ellis's tactics. <laughs> um, and that's my hot take. Um, but I think Australia wins it. That's my hot take. Yeah, that's that's not a that's not a bad take at all, though. Um, yeah. We've certainly oh, seen some well, certainly seen some questionable. Uh, you know, questionable roster decisions, uh, her, her, the game management. It's it's always kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, like you said. Sometimes the USA wins just because they, the players decide. Well, we're not going to get beat today. We're going to go do something right. incredible right now. And mm-hmm. while that can be fun to watch, um, yeah, it definitely would be nice to have somebody making a little bit better decisions on the managing end. <laughs> Of that, um, good luck. But yeah, um, one other World Cup thing though. Um, I saw a picture. One of the many, um, just these streets in Paris, packed with people as they celebrated mm-hmm. and had the parades and everything. Welcomed their players home with the World Cup, and I just I retweeted it and just said, "Dear children of America, 
Like this is mm-hmm. this is what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you go out and play soccer, um, I know we love all of our other sports and we're really good at all those other sports. And we, you know, we'll take on anybody in in basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is. But you know, a, a celebration like that for a World Cup that would be unbelievable. Like awesome. I, I think I would, you know, if they held it in New York or, or Washington DC or anywhere, I, I think I would fly from Utah to be there for that party ah. just to like, cause how could you miss celebrating something like that? Uh, that would be, oh, for uh, sure. that would be an unbelievable thing to see. So all you kids out mm-hmm. there, um, and you know, they're doing this really interesting thing with the men's national team right now. They've got all the, all the young kids, um, in this really great set of videos, um, mm-hmm. kind of hyping up them as the next generation for this for this upcoming World Cup cycle. Um, I hope so. You know, it's kind of interesting to think, as, as sad as people are that the World Cup is over, technically speaking, we are in World Cup qualifying for 2022 right now. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's already on for next yeah. time. So, um, you know... Ultimately, I would just say get out and support your teams and your players and and just be pro soccer and try and build that sense of getting there and qualifying for it this time and hopefully making a good run. Yeah, um, for sure. Yep. Did we talk about Tournament of Nations? We did, we did. not. We did not. We did not. That's right. That's mm. why we're losing our players this weekend. Um <laughs> And let me bring up the info on that really quick. Um, for being something called a tournament, it is actually a really, really short set of friendlies, basically. <laughs> but a Ron Robin, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this year it is the United States as the hosts with Australia, Brazil, and Japan. Um, so this is. Uh, between the U.S. and Japan, there are four World Cup wins in that group. And then Brazil has been the runners-up at the World Cup. Uh, they are using just three venues for this tournament. They'll be playing at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City. Two of the games on July 26th. They Are you going? No, I am actually going to be... <laughs> Funny story, actually. Um, I've been waiting for them, for the U.S. Women's National Team, to come uh, to Kansas City. And they've, because um, they, they, they came two years ago, right? It was like a warm-up for the Rio Olympics, and they came. Um, and so I've been waiting for them to come back. And, and, I, and last year, the Tournament of Nations was actually on the West Coast, in Seattle and, like, California. And it just so happened I was doing it. I was making a trip to, um, to the to the to Seattle with with friends, and it just so happened that the Tournament of Nations we kind of planned it around. We hadn't had we didn't have like a specific destination at the time, um, but then we heard Tournament of Nations was in Seattle, so we're like, let's go to Seattle. We've never been there. And so we did, and it just worked out great. And then this year, was kind of expecting it to be back on the West Coast because she believes has been in the same like East Coast setting, um, which doesn't make sense because it's winter and it's still cold. But um, and so we were just like, oh, and we again had a trip planned, um, and this time we wanted to go out east, and we picked Boston, and so expecting it to be in the west coast again we're like okay we're probably gonna miss tournament of nations wow and then just with the mentality that oh maybe they'll return to children's mercy park soon and then um i did see that they were coming um (laughs) and then but it was on the date that i am out of town in boston and i was so bummed and then i'm like no way i know and then I look at the next date, and it's Hartford, Connecticut, which I'm already going to be out there. And it was just like, whoa. So <laughs> I'm going to get to go again. <laughs> um, All right. Which kind of just. That is interesting. I know, right? Kind of wild that it happened that way. But no, I, 
sadly not will not be at the July 26th game. But I'll be at the July 29th game. Um, well, there you go. Hopefully I get my credentials and I can take some photos there for soapbox and stuff. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be fun for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we will be looking at, and then, uh, so yeah, the, so you mentioned they're playing in Connecticut on the second set of dates. And mm-hmm. then August 2nd, the last set of dates are at Toyota mm-hmm. Park in the Chicago area. Uh, last year, Australia ended up as the winner of that mm-hmm. tournament. Mm-hmm. They won all three of their games. We're the only team with nine points ahead of the USA with six. Um just the one, just the one nothing win against the U.S. on that opening day, yeah. And then they beat Japan on a Sam Kerr hat trick and beat Brazil six to one. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Um, so, um, yeah. Hopefully the U.S. can do a little better mm-hmm. this year. Although those are those are three tough teams to play against. Um, we should probably expect to see Brazilian team with a lot of the NWSL players. Um, of although those teams are being smart and uh, at least as far as I know, anyway, not taking their players um, off of the teams in the NWSL. Uh, well, that would help to get you know like Dabinia mm-hmm. get her off of North Carolina. And, but then we would lose Gory for if Australia was taking their players too. So mm-hmm. you know. I guess it all works out in the end. Um, but Australia will have a good roster. Japan is always a good team. Um, and if only we weren't at losing all the Americans for the league play. You know, um, it was interesting that it was North Carolina coach Paul Riley mm-hmm. who who wrote something on Twitter uh, not too long ago about how he is one of many people frustrated with the idea that um, you know, something that would help the women's national team uh, immensely would be having a strong domestic league mm-hmm. here in America. Mm-hmm. And every time the national team makes a decision like this to take these top and and popular players out of games, and especially when you look at, I mean, like if if there was a date for World Cup qualifying and there was no way that the players could go at any other time and they were going to miss a game, I would say, yes, go qualify for the World mm-hmm. Cup. When it's a when it's a friendly tournament, it's just kind of, well, we need games, so we're going to play that that bugs me and it and it bugs even you know head coaches who are losing their players at a time where you know i mean he wants to keep his run going and bring the strongest group of players he can to utah right. um and and we want the same thing we want our best to go up against them and and have a chance to win these games so that is something that they need to look at in the future i think to yeah. try as you know Try a lot harder to schedule these things better. Yeah, I agree, and I think. Um, and yeah, Paul Riley. And some, oh, go ahead. Somebody. Be, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and Paul Riley is not the only one who has, um, you know, made public his frustration. Um, Chicago's coach Rory Dames has also, you know, made comments where it's like, I can't control it, but it's kind of not fair. Fair, and I totally agree, and I think. I think Paul Riley's argument was more towards, um, I mean, obviously the allocated players, the ones who are paid by U.S. soccer, okay, they are getting paid by U.S. soccer. They can pull in wherever they want. But they're actually taking players that the clubs are actually paying. So that's what the frustration is. It's like, wait a second, you can take the players, you can take your players, that's fine. We don't have control over that. But now you're starting to get into those players that we have developed, that we have, um, you know, um, that we are actually paying, that are contributing significantly to our teams. Now you're taking those players from us to fit your schedule. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. So I, I'm totally on board with, yeah, I think, I think U.S. soccer needs a kick in the, in the you know what, um, <laughs> but yeah, and I, and from what I've heard or from what's been reported is that the relationship between U.S. soccer and the NWSL, um, is a little rocky right now. Do you remember that article I shared like a week ago? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. Hmm. So. I mean that's that's interesting and and didn't we we saw as part of that that there were rumors at least anyway that United Soccer League the the second tier league in the United States is yeah. maybe in some talks about getting NWSL out from under the Soccer Federation's yeah. control and and helping them kind of establish their own separate league structure that way that would be I'm not sure how that would work yeah. I'm not sure what that would mean um you know, to, would the would would U.S. Soccer stop paying for all of the allocated players at that point? I mean, who knows? But um, I mean, as long as it works positively and in a in a way that that helps the league uh, grow and be more secure, um, I'm interested in whatever options there are out there. Um, but that'll be interesting to see kind of where that goes. Yeah. Um, you know, one other thing about that kind of whole issue, uh, I, another somebody kind of shot back on Twitter uh, saying, you know, you don't see Barcelona uh, fans stop going to games when Messi and Suarez get called into their national teams. And I said, yeah, that's because they don't get called into their national teams when there's a Barcelona game. Right. Like that's that's not a problem that, that clubs in Europe ever have to worry about. Um they they schedule around those international dates and their players are there for their club games and and are uh, with their national teams when they need to be. So yeah. it, it's kind of a different issue, but so we'll complain all we want. Right. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. It's completely different. So much different. Yes, for sure. Okay. Um, well, Tournament of Nations mm -hmm. covered. Um, let's jump into uh, a couple of the other comments we got uh, from some from some listeners. Um, well, uh, three of our four listeners commented saying the referee in the Seattle game was bad. There was a yellow card that call, called on Rachel Corsi where she got ran into mm -hmm. by a player. And that was somehow a foul on her. <laughs> yeah, that's mm. not great. Um, yeah. Of course, we've we've had both we've had both coaches here in Utah <laughs> kind of say exactly what they think about the referees uh, over this past weekend. Um, similar kind of thing happening in that RSL game, though. We're just, I mean, a you know Minnesota player straight up shoving Justin Glad, and that's somehow not a problem. For that referee at all, or the or the video referee, mm -hmm. you know, to to see that call happen on the field and not call down to the referee and say, "Hey, you missed that. Yeah. Um, you've you've got to go call that." I, I I don't know, um, and I think we're all kind of hyper aware of that right now because, like you said, um, the video review was done so well mm -hmm. in the World yeah. Cup um, that it was. You know, now we're all kind of seeing, well, if that's what it could be, uh, then why, um, you know, that handball that got called on Croatia in the final was a great example of one where referee didn't even see it right. at all. And and you could say, well, you know, if he doesn't see that, then he doesn't see that. But, you know, you've got some, that's why they have somebody watching that, though, because should a player be able to get away with putting his hand on a ball and stopping a goal, scoring a chance just because a ref doesn't see it. Mm. I mean, that's kind of what we want to not be in the game anymore. Um, fans would lose their minds if, you know, right. if France lost the World Cup because they were short a goal and that could have been it, everybody would be furious. Oh, so totally. um, that was a great moment to see, you know, the referee stop and say, you know, I'm being told that something happened. And that referee, not, you know, he went over there, he watched that play for a good long time. He turned and walked away, and you could tell he just had a little moment where he said, you know, I better go look at that one more time yeah. and be absolutely sure I've got this right. And and that was fantastic. Yeah. So um, one comment about video review that I found interesting, I believe that was Bill Riley, our, our radio commentator for RSL. He said that MLS needs to move the video reviewer out of the stadiums right now mm. um, each stadium has that fifth member of the crew who is in stadium and is just kind of a, a fifth member of the officiating crew for the night okay. um, and you know in in all the other professional sports leagues in America 
and also with like the, with the World Cup, this is how it was. And I'm pretty sure all the leagues in Europe that use video review do this too. It's it. There's a central location where all the video review is happening, mm. um, and they are you know they're they're removed from the environment, from the situation of being in stadium, and they're just watching the game and looking for these mistakes. Um, I think that would be a good next step. Mm. Uh, to to implement here to kind of create a central office where they can all gather and do their reviewing for the night mm. uh, or the weekend, whatever it may be, um, was an interesting thought at least. Um, yeah, we we also had some comments on the um, the media's treatment of Kristen Press. Um, I don't, I'm not particularly feeling like naming names right now, but <laughs> um, but basically the idea is that it does seem like there are quite a few members of the media that cover the NWSL that seem to have it out for Kristen Press. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I knew more specifically what he meant by that, um, mm-hmm. because I must just not see it. But um, I'm also new to following her more closely than I used to since she's on my team now. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't I, I'm yeah. sure there's... No, I was going to say, I don't think I paid attention to what was said. But I, I, I think I do know what people mean by... Um, I think press is just... Especially from the national team perspective, it feels like she's always being compared to Alex Morgan or kind of in her shadow. So um, I think that's where a lot of that criticism comes from. I could be wrong, but, you know, I think the media just likes to, <laughs> the media, um, they, they just like to, they're the media, right? But, you know, hey, NWSL media, chill a little bit. <laughs> like, have some fun. Enjoy the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then I guess kind of tied into that was this other comment was um, I said, I think we need to. Ex- Sorry, <clears throat> let me start over. <laughs> I think we ex- I think we expect press to carry the team, which shouldn't be true. One player can't carry a team. Right. Um, and that's I, I don't know. If, well, I don't know if the team expects her to do that. I, I do think there was probably uh, a lot of people in the fan base that saw her arrival as, oh, she's going to do everything. She's going to score a million goals. We're going to win every game because she's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And and there there might be a, a perception that she is going to drag this team with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she does have a history of doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on other teams she's played on, but I, I certainly, I certainly agree that that should not be the case. Um, and in, in in fact, one of my criticisms of the first game she played here was that there was a lot she was trying to do, but her teammates didn't didn't see you know how to involve her, mm-hmm. um, and and likewise she didn't see how to involve her teammates, and that was something they had to work on. That got a lot better for the Sky Blue game. It's kind of stalled mm-hmm. lately, but for sure, they, you know, the, they definitely need to. You know, she's she's a, a tool to be used on the field when when the when the moment is right. But she absolutely can't. Um, she can't beat every defender on every. You know, she'll do it once or twice a game. Right. You know, dribble past three people and score. But you can't count on that from anybody. Right. Um, yeah. So hopefully going forward, that's something that the team does not. Um, and and definitely, if you're a if you're a fan of the team, you know, be a little bit realistic. Don't mm-hmm. think that she's going to come in here and just you know score five goals a night and win a game. Right. Um, I think I think that's something that you see with with like let's use North Carolina and Portland as examples. They're not winning games because one player has 15 goals. They're winning games because they have several players who have, you know, between four and eight goals uh, each. And they're all contributing to an offense. You see many different people on the score sheet every night. Yeah. Um, That's that's what a good team does. Yeah. It's funny how. Is, you know, you. (laughs) Sorry, I was going to say with that. It's funny how it's a team sport. And yet (laughs) people expect one or two players to do all the work (laughs) or 
you know, mm-hmm. it's but anyway. And I, I, I wonder if, um, I wonder if part of that is kind of because of what we've become used to with, with basketball mm-hmm. and football in America, yeah. you know, um, a running back and a quarterback and maybe a couple of wide receivers can win a game. Um, and, and yes, there are contributions from everybody else on the field that, that make that work, the offensive line protecting and things like that. But, you know, one player can have a great night and win a game. Uh, in basketball, we, we almost demand that of players like LeBron James and Kevin Durant and mm-hmm. Steph Curry. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what that league is all about. Like, we're going to, um, you know, they want one guy to go score 80 points and win the game all by himself. Right. And we, we cheer and get excited about that and kind of forget that there's there's a whole team out there. Um, and I, th- I think being a, a good, solid team that, you know, if you can shut down one person on a team and win a game against them, they're not a great team. Um, I would much rather be a team that is dangerous at multiple levels mm-hmm. and doesn't have to rely on one person to try to do the bulk of the work. And I think in soccer, that's even more true than other sports because it just, the field's too big for one person to try and control. So, yeah. Hmm. So no more expecting that everybody. Yeah. Quit it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, well, we're, we're, we're pushing that hour there. Do we, we have any final thoughts or, no, no, just, uh, it was really cool to see that there was around, I think, 8,200 some fans on Saturday, um, which is keeping up the average of, um, you know, up there. Obviously, it's not Portland and it's 15, 16, 17,000, but um, it's still a pretty good average for um, mm-hmm. for our first year club. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's sure. pretty steady, so that's pretty cool. Um, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I um, I won't try and wedge in any RSL women talk. Oh, um, about that. With a with with a short time. Now that's okay. I I could have thrown out them. They they wrapped up their season with a with a nice uh, six nothing win Thanks. on Friday, uh, this last Friday, which was fun to see. A lot of a lot of good scoring good. and. Uh, Unfortunately, they they finished in fourth place in their conference. They they won't be making the playoffs this mm-hmm. year. Um, it's a it's a small league. Only one team from each conference gets to go. So, um, but um, you know they have some unique challenges that that come with you know why their team has, I think, a harder time. At least in my opinion, uh, being really competitive. Yeah. Um, I will do a. Uh, I have some plans to do a kind of another special episode. Sweet where I talk about their league and, and their team and what's going on and maybe talk about what their what their future holds now that there is a Utah Royals in town and you know, they might be changing names, they might be, you know, things might be working differently for them going forward because they might have to, you know, integrate a little bit more with the academy structure and be part of the you know, the development system. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, and certainly as I find out more. Um, ooh, but I'll I'll drop a tidbit. Um, Sweet. I did, I did hear, um, that now this was all said before Abby Smith got subbed out of a game oh, yeah. with an injury, but although if she's too hurt to play on Friday night, this could still end up being the case. But, um, the expectation, at least from the RSL women's side was that they had heard that Abby Smith was expected to be called onto the U S national team roster, in which case one of the, uh, one of the RSL women, um, long one of their longtime goalkeepers, would be called in to uh, back nice. up Nicole Barnhart for the Courage match, um, and that could still happen, which would be kind of fun because those players have have played as that team for a number of years, and um, with with EJ Proctor leaving the team without a backup to sign. Um, as she went on to do something else in her life, um, mm-hmm. it would be, a, a, I think, a, a good reward for someone who's given a lot to the team to step in and put a Royals uniform on. Nice. Um, That's awesome. I know I'd like to see her there. So we'll, we'll see if that comes to, uh, to be true. But Awesome. 
All right, so uh, just a, a final reminder. Um, I don't know why my uh, my online calendar, and this came from the team, so it wasn't anything I did. My online calendar says we're playing Seattle this yeah, week. Um, and and has forever, but that's not true. It is the North Carolina Courage making their one and only visit to Rio Tinto Stadium on July 20th. Uh, kickoff is at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Get out there. Uh, let's have a big crowd again and get loud and support the team as we try to pick up a win on Friday. Great. Um, is, are, we, are we good? Yeah. Good. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, again, for listening. Um, whether it's your first time or whether you've been with us all year, we appreciate the support. Uh, feel free to, of course, tweet at us at RFC Show. Um, Email urfcshow at gmail.com. Any thoughts, questions you want to hear us say on future shows, we would love to hear from you, and we appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening to Royals FC Show, Episode 24. Mm -hmm.